if you still have that intestinal permeability and you eat a little bit of dairy, even if it's just a tablespoon of ice cream, you know, your immune system is going to get reactivated. Sometimes that activation might not be in the form of, oh, I get diarrhea and that's why I don't do it. That activation could be every time I eat dairy, I get super depressed. Or every time I eat dairy, my ankles swell. And all of these things are because your immune system is acting against you. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am talking with Dr. Guillermo Roots, and we are digging into understanding autoimmune disease and how to calm inflammation in the body. Now, as you may know, there has been a stark rise in autoimmune disorders over the past 50 years, from type 1 diabetes and multiple sclerosis to celiac disease and asthma. The first step towards a cure is understanding the root causes and fixing those issues so that the immune system stops attacking the body. Now, your immune system is your security detail. It is hardwired to differentiate between what belongs in the body and what doesn't. And when it spies a meddler, such as a virus, a bacterium, or a parasite, it shoots to kill. Unfortunately, the system is not perfect, especially in today's modern world. Sometimes it targets our healthy tissues like our thyroid. And if that situation persists under certain circumstances, that can lead to an autoimmune disease or autoimmunity. Auto meaning self. So autoimmunity basically means that your your immune system aims to attack itself. Now, more than 23 million Americans suffer from autoimmunity, which makes it the third most common category of illness in the United States after cancer and heart disease. Yet 90% of Americans still cannot name a single autoimmune condition. Now, some of the most common autoimmune diseases include rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, lupus, Hajimoto's thyroid disease, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease, which includes Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, celiac disease, and asthma. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the underlying causes of autoimmune disease today because that's exactly what Dr. Guillermo and I want to really have you understand. So here are what we've seen be the top five. Clearly, we're going to go into way more detail today, but if I were to name those first five things, number one is leaky gut. And we know that if you have an autoimmune condition, your gut has somehow become leaky, meaning the tight junctions that typically hold your gut lining together have become loose, allowing undigested food, particles, microbes, toxins to escape out of your gut and enter into the bloodstream. Your immune system tags that. And what happens is that we are seeing molecular mimicry. That molecular mimicry is when we tag something a thyroid cell or a thyroid gland or maybe a heart valve or who knows what could ultimately look like that molecule and the immune system confuses itself because of that molecular 
mimicry. Number two is toxins that we're exposed to every single day. These are chemicals, this is medicine, this is food. I mean, there's so many ways that we're exposed to toxins every single day. Number three is stress. And as we know, stress comes in a variety of forms, but let's just say it's perceived stress, right? That's number three. Number four is hidden infections, such as candida, parasites, mold, bacteria, viruses. We know that those types of environmental threats can actually trigger an autoimmune response based on how the immune system functions. Number five is gluten. We know that gluten is contributing to autoimmune function in two key ways. First, it's the primary cause of leaky gut and it causes inflammation and stress on the body along with that molecular mimicry that I mentioned in the first one. And then there's a bonus one. Uh, Yes, bonus number six is trauma. And we learned a little bit about the health implications of trauma in the last episode with Dr. Debbie Silber in episode 78. So if you want to go back and listen to episode 78, specifically we were talking about betrayal, but how betrayal can manifest physically inside of the body. This is another way that we can actually trigger out an immune system response. Now, luckily, there are a lot of integrative doctors like Dr. Guillermo who are devoting their lives to helping you heal and potentially reverse autoimmunity. Some of my favorite practitioners have been featured here on the Essentially You podcast, like Dr. Amy Myers, Dr. Isabella Wentz, and Dr. Alan Christensen. Like I said, today we are thrilled to have Dr. Guillermo break it all down for us. But before I bring him on, I want to quickly shout you out here on the Essentially You podcast. Now, one particular amazing health rock star is Patty. And I'm so excited to shout out her win as she shared on Facebook just about a month ago. She wrote, I am a full-time caretaker for my mom and have very little time for myself, but I found Dr. Marisa's podcast through a friend and I can't tell you how many times just hearing how I can shift my body and my life has had a tremendous impact on me. Slowly but surely, I am making changes for myself, and Dr. Maurice's positivity keeps me motivated to keep going. Well, thank you so much, Patty, for sharing that, for sharing that big win and opening the door to healing your body and taking care of yourself. I am so happy to get to shout you out today, and I'm holding space for your amazing healing miracles. Now, if you're listening, Patty, I would love to gift you a superwoman blend. You know, one of my favorites. Just reach out to me like you did before on Facebook or even on Instagram at Dr. Marisa. That's D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. Well, fellow podcasters, not only am I humbled and happy to see you here listening in, I also want to shout you out. And you can do that. You can you can shout out and share your biggest win about the podcast by reaching out via Instagram or Facebook or simply reviewing these episodes on a podcast platform that you love like iTunes or whatever you plug into. That way, I can continue to support you by giving you what you want, but also supporting other women looking for information like this so that they can become the CEO of their health. So now that we have shouted out this amazing woman, let's get into this conversation on autoimmunity with Dr. Guillermo. But first, before we get into that, I would love to sing his praises. 
Dr. Guillermo Roots is a graduate from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. His aim is to use his research to advance naturopathic medicine using an evidence-based approach and focusing on finding evolutionary connections between our modern and traditional healthcare systems. He currently practices in integrative health at Scottsdale, Arizona, and specializes in endocrinology. His hobbies include researching, learning, practicing, and teaching the benefits of adhering to an appropriate evolutionary diet. Well, let's introduce Dr. Guillermo. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Guillermo Ruiz. How are you doing today, Dr. Guillermo? I'm doing fantastic. Just, you know, enjoying a nice chat with my friend, Dr. Marissa Snyder. I love it. Well, I had the pleasure and the blessing to get to be on your podcast. And I will tell you, it was one of the funnest interviews I had ever done. I just want to say kudos to you. And everyone needs to go check out 3030 Strong podcast because that is where it's at. It's fun. You know, I came to this health space through podcast and blogging and all of that. And, and sometimes I feel like we advance so fast and we're talking about these topics at such an advanced, you know, level. And then we forget our newbies, you know, we forget our people that might not know what MTHFR is, might not be familiar with intermittent fasting or might not know what TSH is. So I decided to do like a reboot of the health scene. And I was talking to Ben Lynch and, and I told Dr. Lynch, you know, it's like I'm asking the dumb questions so my listeners don't have to. <laughs> and and uh, and I get like the coolest people to come on my show and they talk about like their expertise and I learn a lot. So it's it's just easy and, and, and so much fun. I love it. Well, you do a marvelous job at disseminating that information and breaking it down into what is very practical and what is very user-friendly. And we are going to be talking about some pretty complex topics today and a topic that is really plaguing a lot of us. And that is really understanding autoimmune disease because it's, you know, it's so interesting how so many things are just put under the umbrella of autoimmune disease. We're going to break that down. But then also we know that autoimmune disease is stemming from inflammation. So we're going to talk about what you do to calm inflammation in the body, because that is the million dollar question. Wouldn't you agree? It is. And a lot of people have an autoimmune disease or have been diagnosed with that, uh, with an autoimmune disease but no one has stopped and said, okay, this is what this means. And there's a lot of confusion. And unless you understand what's happening and on, unless you understand how autoimmune disease works, you know, we are going to be stuck in this cycle of continuing to do things that you might think may be beneficial and, and unfortunately are not. I'm excited to get into that. Now, I want to know, you're talking about how you found your way into holistic medicine and through podcasts and blogs. Tell me a little bit about your journey. What what was your desire? What got you into wanting to be a functional practitioner? Well, I've always wanted to be a doctor. And, uh, uh, you know, I remember, you know, being four or five, you know, and playing with my Fisher-Price plastic stethoscope set. <laughs> and I, I knew since kindergarten that, I, you know, I want to be a doctor. They, they would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wouldn't say astronaut. I wouldn't say firefighter. I would say, I want to be a doctor. And little by little, I was going through school. I was going through uh, my undergrad. And then when I graduated, I was like, okay, so I've had this dream and I haven't considered any other professions. Okay. I want to be a doctor. 
can I be a doctor? So I decided to become an EMT and I started working at a level one trauma center for kids because I wanted to see if, you know, if that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I was a little bit overweight. Uh, you know, I had some issues of fatigue and my mom has Hashimoto's thyroiditis and has had it for a very, very long time. She takes a little pill every morning to help her with that. And I never understood what it was. And I got to see pretty amazing things in the emergency department. If I get hit by a bus while I'm, you know, getting some vitamin D uh, in, in the morning, don't take me to a functional medicine practitioner. Take me to the hospital. <laughs> they can do amazing things. The problem is that with modern medicine and with the conventional model, we don't have a system that can help with chronic disease. And although I enjoy the adrenaline of doing a code or helping someone that is in deep trouble, it is not as fulfilling as helping someone that has had a problem for a very long time and has visited 10 or 12 practitioners. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is it. This is the problem. And then you can identify it and help them. Around the same time when I was working at the emergency department, my girlfriend's mom was diagnosed with cancer. And that's when I first saw the dichotomy of this conventional system that prides itself about being completely 100% evidence-based, okay? I had access to the medical library. I went to the medical library of the hospital, and I printed out these papers that were talking about how this type of cancer, she had a jejunal cancer, a type of cancer that affects your small intestine, is associated with a gluten allergy, okay? A very rare form of cancer, and usually the first symptom, it's a complete obstruction of your jejunum. Imagine, you know, that your small intestine is a couple of centimeters in diameter, and by the time they find the first symptom is going to be a complete obstruction where you're just vomiting and nothing can go through. By the time that lumen is completely covered with cancer, that cancer has spread to other places. So I printed all these papers and I had my girlfriend's mom take him to the, to the surgeon and the surgeon grabs him and says, oh, it's nothing you did. You know, we're just going to fight this cancer, which is a great message. Other than there, are, there is more DNA material in this world than just this one person. She passed away from this cancer about a year to the date. And they never addressed her diet. They never addressed her weight. They, they never addressed any other thing outside of this is the rubric for the type of medication that she needs to take. If this fails, that said, we don't have any more options. Around the same time, I started doing paleo type diet. I started reading blogs, listening to Rob Wolf and Chris Kresser. And then I started thinking to myself, you know, I love evidence-based medicine. What if there was this profession where I could order labs, prescribe medications if need be, use supplements, talk about sleep, talk about diet, and help people get better? And sure enough, you know, naturopathic medicine found me, not the other way around. That's so profound. You know, I was interviewing a good friend of mine yesterday, Chris Wark, and he just wrote a book called Chris Beat Cancer. And that, that statement that you said about that you had pulled the research, that you had seen that this very specific type of cancer was influenced by diet, was influenced by inflammation driven by gluten, yet 
once she shows up to the doctor's office, they're like, oh, you know, this is just unfortunate luck. You really had no responsibility in this. And there is nothing that you can personally do outside of our treatments to get better. So feel free to eat whatever you want. Feel free to do whatever you want. You just got to do this regimen. And you had the foresight. You could see that this wasn't right. You could see the research on it and decided to go in this path. And I just want to applaud you for digging in and for kind of connecting the dots during that time. Because you easily, Guillermo, let's be honest, you could have easily been prescribing just meds. And that's the thing, you know, even within the functional medicine, uh, even within this approach to medicine, I don't agree that if you, you know, uh, with the view of, oh, you know, I have diabetes, I don't want to take metformin, I'm instead going to take cinnamon. If you're listening and someone does a swap from a prescription medication to a supplement, that is not serving you. You do not have a metformin deficiency, but you also don't have a cinnamon deficiency. Supplements and medications are used to help you deal with symptoms, to help you replace things that your body might not be producing. But in the end, there is an underlying condition that needs to be addressed. And in some cases, like for example, someone with type 1 diabetes, where their uh, their pancreas is completely destroyed and it's not producing any more insulin. Right. You've, you've got an autoimmune disease here. And you're going to need insulin. But we can do things to help you use less insulin, to help you live a healthier life, and then use modern medicine to help you keep you alive. You know, it is so important to distinguish between using a supplement as a medication and using a supplement to supplement your health. Mm. Mm. I like that. I appreciate that. So I, I appreciate that dis- in a sense, a disclaimer, but giving people a little bit more understanding around, yes, if indeed type one diabetes, which we're talking about autoimmunity in just a moment, you've got, you've obliterated the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. There's no amount of cinnamon that's going to produce <laughs> insulin for you to regulate blood sugar levels. That's important. I wish we could cinnamon our way out of that, but we cannot. (laughs) I love cinnamon. (laughs) And I do it. I add it to my coffee every day because I love it the way it tastes. It's sweet. And I know that it has really great benefits, but I'm not using it because I think it is going to solve. It's going to be the thing that solves the problem. Totally. And, and, and And that's the approach that we need to do. You know, we need to take. We can use all of these beautiful phytochemicals to optimize your health, you know, but we're not going to use these phytochemicals and continue eating crap. <laughs> right. Oh. You're telling me that I can't eat some blueberries and they won't cancel out the gluten cheese pizza I had earlier. That, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> my, my, my favorite thing is when, when someone asks me, hey, you know, what can I eat to lose weight? Or what can I eat to decrease my sugar load? As you know, like what calories can I add into my life in order for me to able to decrease calories? That makes no sense. A better question is what can I eliminate? What can I avoid? What can I, you know, in order to get that ideal weight that you're looking for? Guillermo, nobody wants to avoid anything, (laughs) for goodness sakes. Okay. All right. Let's get into autoimmunity. But I want to first talk about what it is. What is happening in the body? Why are these organs and tissues getting attacked? What's going on? 
Well, you know, that's an excellent question. And, you know, when people talk about or criticize this uh, complementary medicine or this functional medicine, they'll say, oh, so, you know, so quitting gluten is going to is going to solve your arthritis and is going to solve your Hashimoto's and is going to solve your, you know, you name it. And the answer is yes. So what happens is that whenever you eat something, you know, any protein that is inflammatory, any protein that is causing inflammation in your intestines, that leads to intestinal permeability or leaky gut. And and I'm sure your listeners are familiar or have heard of the concept of leaky gut. Yes. And Um, note that gluten in case people, because a lot of people don't even know what gluten is. Gluten is an inflammatory protein. So that's what we're talking about here, y'all. Okay, sorry about and, that. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, no, and, and, and what happens is that when these inflammatory proteins irritate the intestinal lining, those gaps that maintain those cells together to prevent things literally poop from leaking into your bloodstream, they get compromised and they, they're not as tight anymore. And these proteins start floating around in your bloodstream. And then your immune system is like, hey, that shouldn't be there. And it starts producing immunoglobulins that attach to these proteins to neutralize them. And you can think about these immunoglobulins like keys. And these keys happen to also fit in different tissues around your body. You know, from your thyroid, in the case of Hashimoto's thyroiditis, to your thyroid in the case of Graves. And just imagine this as a key. And this key, in the case of Hashimoto's, slows down or shuts off your thyroid. In the case of Graves, it actually speeds it up. And you start dumping so much thyroid hormone that you start having palpitations, you start having, you know, anxiety, you start, you know, so almost like the opposite of Hashimoto's. And it's the same pathophysiologic pathway that is being affected. Your body creating the wrong type of immunoglobulin that attaches to your thyroid and it's creating this autoimmunity. In the case of type 1 diabetes, you create this immunoglobulins that attack the beta cells in your pancreas that create insulin. In the case of uh, rheumatoid arthritis, it's creating immunoglobulins that fit in your joints. In the case of lupus, it's creating all of these different immunoglobulins that, that can attack your joints, your liver, that butterfly-looking rash on your face. Vitiligo is attacking your skin cells that produce pigment. All of these things, all of these different autoimmune conditions is basically your immune system getting confused between what needs to be attacked and your own body. I'm not claiming that if you just eliminate wheat, all of this is going to go away. But if we can eliminate systematically, what is that this protein or this factor in your life that is creating this autoimmune response, plus, you know, reversing and helping your immune system modulating your immune system so it can be less aggressive or it can be modulated in order to forget about attacking yourself, then you can start reversing autoimmune disease. That gave us a little key into what to do. So we're talking about the immune system acting up, going out and causing all kinds of trouble. 
clearly there are very defined autoimmune diseases, but Dr. Guillermo, are there autoimmune diseases that you have come across that, or that where people are showing up in labs where you're not exactly sure what's going on? It's really difficult to diagnose. There's no one particular name you can give that, right? And that happens to a lot of people, or maybe people have multiple autoimmune conditions, which is not surprising at all. How do we begin to not only give them some kind of an answer, but two, you know, when we're, when we're looking at treating autoimmunity, we're really looking at treating inflammation. Can we give people some really standard recommendations without knowing exactly the very specific condition? Now you're putting me out of business <laughs> because most of the, <laughs> most of the, most of the patients that come to see us, you know, have had trouble with random, you know, completely untraceable problems that you might not have an, a, any clue of how to test or where to start. So you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, testing all of these different scenarios, you know. So a good place to start is whenever you are in a place where you don't know what to do, you go back to your basics. In an emergent situation, I remember during my training, okay, you could show up to work at 7 a.m., lights and sirens go off, and then they, they bring someone through the back door of the, of the, in, in the emergency department, and you can have a person that is unconscious with no heart rhythm, and you don't know what to do. And what you do is you go back to your training, and you remember circulation airway and breathing cab you know it used to be airway breathing circulation but you know since it's changed that's what you do you you check that their airway is open you make sure their heart is sticking and you make sure that they have enough blood volume to bring oxygen to the cells if you have those things under control then eventually you might find a bleed you might find that they you know they ingested too much of a medicine or they hit their head but Airway breathing circulation is going to be your number one. If I have a patient that I don't know where to start, I'm going to go back to my basics and I'm going to make sure that they're eating an anti-inflammatory diet, that they're sleeping, okay, and they're controlling their stress. And, and when I don't know what to do, when I have a patient that comes in and they're like, hey, you know, every day at four o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I got a burp and, uh, and then at I crash, my energy crashes, and then I have this rash. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> let's start. By. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> laughing at that, but it just those no, are. No. So, it feels so random. Yeah, it, totally, totally. And that's what you do. You know, you're like, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with like a very hypoallergenic diet. Okay, let's make sure you're not waking up at four in the morning anymore, and then let's. Try to manage your, your cortisol levels and let's try to hit that HPA axis and make it stable. By doing those things, you're hitting so, such big global problems, you know? I call those like the big levers, right? Yeah, they're huge, huge levers. For example, the number one most inflammatory thing that we do every day and you're doing right now is breathing. You're literally taking oxygen. Tell us about that. People don't realize that by breathing, we are slowly killing ourselves. Yeah. You're grabbing oxygen. You're stripping electrons. You're making radicals. You know, that is the most inflammatory thing you can do. The second most inflammatory so thing. So everyone you- holds your breath. Just yeah, kidding. Just stop breathing. You know, <laughs> uh, 
The second most inflammatory thing that we do is eating. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. So when we are eating, you know, we are doing the same. We're taking proteins. We're incorporating those proteins. Just think about it. You're getting, you're making those proteins part of you. Literally grabbing those amino acids in order to regenerate cells. And if you're eating an inflammatory diet, you are compounding that inflammation on top of the inflammation that it's inherent in eating. So, so if we can decide to make that decision three times a day and make it in the positive rather than the negative and make it the most anti-inflammatory diet that we can make it, you're going to be ahead of the game. The big three that I find, you know, like uh, I'm sure you run food allergy panels and the big three that come back are gluten, dairy, and eggs. And the problem is that eggs are so healthy. and people I love mm -hmm. eggs. Oh, it breaks my heart when I see that show up on people. Totally. In eggs, usually, you know, once you heal your gut, you know, usually eggs can come back. And they're full of choline and they have, you know, great omega-3s and they're pretty darn good. The problem is that when you have inflammation from wheat and, and other grains, when you have inflammation from dairy products, eggs can be a little bit inflammatory. So removing those things, you know, for 30 days and letting your intestines and your digestive system heal up a little bit, then we can try and bring them back. A lot of people might think, okay, okay, so dairy, you know, that's a, that's a big one. Dairy, cool, you know, I'll just get lactose-free dairy. Or I'll eat, you know, uh, uh, hard cheeses because they have less lactose. Well, lactose in itself can be inflammatory for people that have lactose intolerance. And what lactose, lactose intolerance is, is the inability to process the sugar lactose. Lactose is made of two different sugars, one galactose and the other one glucose. And our body, if you have lactase, is able to process those two sugars. Okay, so let's say you have lactase and you are able to process those sugars. That's cool. You're able to process those sugars. But are you able to process whey? Are you able to process casein? Are you able to process albumin? Those are things that are found within milk. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you mean no dairy, Guillermo, you mean none. Correct. So no cheating. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, so you have patients say, you know, you have people and I know. Oh, totally. I we cheese. rationalize everything. We're like, oh, but hard cheese. Oh, but maybe like just really good goat yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like a raw milk, you know, a raw uh, milk. Yeah. The problem is that you are fighting your immune system and, you know, we are amazing machines and we are so vigilant. And if you still have that intestinal permeability and you eat a little bit of dairy, even if it's just a tablespoon of ice cream, you know, your immune system is going to get reactivated. Sometimes that activation might not be in the form of oh, I get diarrhea and that's why I don't do it. That activation could be every time I eat dairy, I get super depressed. Or every time I eat dairy, my ankles swell. Or every time I eat gluten, my hands swell after walking. And all of these things are because your immune system is 
acting against you. And it's frustrating, but there are good news. If you do a solid elimination diet and you work hard to rebuild the intestinal lining and you are diligent about your stress levels and you're diligent about your sleep, then if your intestines are nice and healed, you will be able to tolerate a little bit of dairy every once in a while or a little bit of eggs every once in a while. I don't like gluten. I don't either. We don't get along. Yeah, it's my own bias. I am sure that if you have a solid digestive system and if you do it infrequently and you do it, you know, maybe sprouted or sourdough breads, you know, it could be okay. But in my, in my own personal bias, I try to steer anyone away from it. But it's compound, you know, the healthier you are, the more latitude you have towards doing a little bit of like, quote unquote, cheats. Uh, there's no cheating in eating. You can cheat on your spouse. You can cheat on homework. You don't cheat with food. Mm, cheat on you. Ooh, look at you. All right. Okay. A couple things we've covered. One, we got to be mindful about we got to be mindful about food. You know, just again, just some key concepts to our listeners if people didn't know. Yes, breathing does create oxidative stress. So does eating. You think about just all the exhaust from what you create from eating. We're like cars in a lot of ways. And so there's a lot of free radical activity that happens from that. So keeping to a diet that's anti-inflammatory is going to get us out of less trouble than not. But you'd also mentioned, because we're talking about these big levers, right? We also mentioned stress. We talked about the HPA axis which is what I call the stranger danger system of the limbic brain. So we talked about that lever and we talked about sleep, that particular lever, right? Because if you do have someone who comes into the office and they're showing up with all of these weird symptoms and not exactly sure what's going on, you got to kind of hit the big levers first before you start to look for the zebras, which I always say like, that's where you have to really get into the nitty gritty of labs and really figure out what's going on. So talk to me about how is sleep playing a role? Because I know we talked a lot about sleep on your podcast and you've got some pretty strong, strong recommendations and opinions around that. Have you seen when people are able to recover their sleep that they're able to support their autoimmune disease a little bit easier? Does the inflammation go down a bit? Like, What are the benefits besides the fact that we all know we need to sleep? When you sleep, that's when things get cleaned up, especially in the brain. You know, your brain kind of does like a reset and it starts eliminating plaques and getting rid of uh, toxins from the brain. And it goes back to the HPA axis. If your circadian rhythm is not perfect, if you are, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to because you have to go pee, if you can't shut down and go into that that REM sleep, then you're going to be shifting your cortisol levels, and your cortisol levels are going to be higher at night and lower in the morning. And when that happens, if your cortisol levels are too low in the morning, and we're going to request more work from your thyroid. And if your thyroid is overworking, you have a higher chance of attracting this, this autoimmune immunoglobulins into your thyroid and damaging your thyroid. So because sleep has an integral part in the circadian rhythm, in the rhythm of your cortisol levels, that right there creates the ability for your inflammatory markers to shift. So if you are requesting too much cortisol at night and then you drop in the morning, now you're going to wake up tired. You're not, you're going to wake up. You're not going to be able to wake up with a high blood pressure. You know, we, after you've been horizontal for eight hours, 
You want to wake up first thing in the morning with high cortisol levels so you can have an increased blood pressure, so you can be a little bit alert, so you can be more motivated to go with your day, okay? But now you're waking up with low cortisol levels in the morning. Now you get into your car, your adrenals are not functioning well, and you need to be alert. So then you start tapping into the epinephrine pathway. And if you're going towards the epinephrine pathway, now you've gone into alert mode. Now you've and done what, it. Now, now you're, you're in trouble. Now, <laughs> so now, now you don't have I've this. done this, by the way, everyone. That's why I'm laughing. I mean, it's not funny, but I've been there. I have, I have done this. So tell us what happens. Tell us what happens next. So now when you tap into that adrenaline pathway, now you're having palpitations. Now you're, you know, you're sweating. Now you're tapping into this alert mode. Have you, you know, have, everyone has had, has had this on. After you've been, you know, squeezing those adrenals dry because you're, you're, you're studying or, you know, you have like deadlines or you have a book launch and then you finally, you know, you're so exhausted and you finally put your, your head on the bed. And then a couple of hours later, you wake up with that, you know, you're jumping out of the bed. You're, you know, your heart is beating really hard. That's because your adrenals that were supposed to be controlling your sugar in the middle of the night are not responding anymore to the signal. And when your adrenals cannot keep up to release some of that glycogen from your liver to keep your sugar levels steady, you have to rely on epinephrine. And when epinephrine hits, you're going to wake up and that disturbs your sleep and that puts you in a deeper hole. And then if you are constantly, constantly running with this high levels of stress, you know, cortisol is anti-inflammatory, but it also suppresses your immune system, which allows things like dysbiosis to set in, which allows maybe cells that are mutated that could have been controlled with a normal amount of immune system are now free to grow. Now all of your different immunoglobulins are going to be attacking the wrong thing because your immune system is just not being controlled. And that's why for stress purposes in the immunological pathways, that's why it's so important to worry about sleep. Secondly, you know what? But we don't the- want you guys worrying about sleep. We want you to <laughs> have a wonderful sleep time. Embrace sleep. <laughs> Embrace sleep. Because worrying about sleep will get you in that other, an epinephrine pathway. And we heard about that. That does not sound like a good time. One of the best antioxidants that we have in our body is melatonin. In fact, you know, using melatonin, melatonin is, is almost like hemoglobin in the implants, and uh, it serves as a transmitter in plants too. And it's a very powerful antioxidant. And in fact, there's some studies about using high dose melatonin, and I'm talking about supraphysiological doses of melatonin in the 40 milligrams. And if you're not producing melatonin, you're not going to be producing that super amazing antioxidant. And that's going to create problems too. So, you know, there's so many different ways why sleeping is so important. Like, for example, one night of of poor sleep is going to make you type 2 diabetes for the rest of the day. And that's whether you are, you know, a CrossFitter, AIP person or not. You can be eating the most beautiful diet 
And if you didn't sleep well, you're not going to utilize those macros effectively. You make such great points. And so we've hit some big levers. Another question I want to ask before we we get closer to the end of the interview, and this is kind of just setting you up to knock it out, but can we supplement our way out of an autoimmune situation? Is that possible? It is not possible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is not possible. You know, supplements are going to help us. You know, imagine you are super tired, you're super stressed, and you are super depleted of your B vitamins, you're super depleted of vitamin C, you're su- super depleted. You know, you have had a, a bad diet for a very long time, and your stomach is not hot enough to process proteins. So now you're fermenting things in your intestines and now you're creating all these inflammatory markers and you come to my office and you are super depleted. You are, uh, you haven't slept in days because your circadian rhythm is all messed up. And I say, oh, it's very easy. Just sleep more, eat healthy. I wouldn't be serving you at all because you knew that (laughs) and you knew that you need help with that. And what supplements and medications can do for us is they can help us give us a couple of wins and they can help us make it easier to settle those habits. But modafinil is not a substitute for sleep. And digestive enzymes can be very helpful to help you digest your food in this modern environment. But eating slower, you know, not drinking a big gulp of iced tea with your meals that, that will cool down your stomach, you cannot out-supplement that. So changing those habits and those supplements can help you change those habits and they can help you ease into the lifestyle changes that are important so you don't have to take 40 pills in a day in order to feel halfway alive. I love that answer. I think that that is such great advice. So we, we've we touched upon a couple of big levers. One, food being such a big role. One, making sure you have good support in this journey, sleep, stress, and then, you know, we understand that supplements can support, but it's so much more than that. We talk about you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet. You can't supplement your way out of crazy inflammation, not that they can't support. Is there any last thing, Dr. Guillermo, that we should know about when it comes to quelling inflammation in the body? Just overall, if, if, if we couldn't find the right doctor, if we weren't able to get in front of you, anything else we should be doing? You have to be your own advocate. A lot of my patients come in and they have their labs and there are, you know, glaring things on those labs. There's two scenarios. They have a lab that was misinterpreted. And like, for example, you have an IgG marker for EBV and nothing else. You know, you don't have the early viral capsid or you don't, you know, and then, the, you know, that IgG marker is not going to change. That's memory from your, your immune system. And you're chasing this EBV thing. And in reality, it's probably not causing any problems. And people see these labs and they say, oh, you know, it's, it's this, it's this, it's this. And you concentrate so much on this one marker that you miss the forest for the trees. Okay, that would be scenario A, someone that is following the wrong lead. And maybe, you know, you look at the rest of the labs and they're anemic, (laughs) or you look at the rest of their labs and they have super high TSH and their thyroid function is not really well, is not working well. And for that person, you know, be your own advocate. If, If you have, 
visited more than one practitioner and you and you went in with an expectation of, of oh, you know, this is my problem. I have Hashimoto's and you've done everything, you know, and it, you're not getting better. Make sure you look for something else. It might be something else. And then the second scenario and the most frustrating for me, at least, is when you have someone come in and they have their labs and they're like, my doctor told me everything was in range. My doctor, my doctor told me that told me that everything is fine, and I still feel like crap. That is more, way more frustrating, because in the end, you know, you're not crazy if you don't feel the energy that you used to feel. If you have aches and pains, if you have, you know, things that bother you that didn't used to bother you, and your labs are within the range. But you know there's something wrong. There might be, you know, something more to the story. You know, maybe your TSH is 4.2 and the lab range is 0.45 to 4.5. And being 4.2, that's pretty darn high for a TSH. And maybe you do have Hashimoto's. So make sure you get a practitioner. Make sure you're an, you're an advocate that understands and listens. And if everything else fails... Just stick to the three levers and try to go back, go back, go back, go back, go back to where you were and try to establish an environment of health. If all else fails, at least you're establishing that, that environment of health that is going to fertilize the ground for you to, to grow and, and be healthy in the future when we figure out what's wrong with you. Thank you so much. One more question for you. Before we go, what is one thing, one thing that you do every day or something that you take, maybe some natural solution, whatever that may be, that really moves the needle for you on a day-to-day basis for your health and well-being? I'm going to give you two, and I'm going to give you one that I just started doing that is game changer. That would be the second thing that I give you. But I really, really, really love magnesium. Ooh, magnesium. My favorite. Yeah, I think everyone has a magnesium deficiency or needs a little bit more magnesium. Calcium helps contract muscles and then magnesium comes in and releases them. And it's used in the Krebs cycle and it's used in your in everywhere. It's everywhere. Used in everywhere. Your body. Oh my goodness, it's like the magic. And unfortunately, you know, even our organic vegetables, because of monocropping, there's very little magnesium in the soil. And you really can't uh, get enough magnesium. You know, second would be potassium. If you're eating like a paleo-ish diet and you track your chronometer uh, readings, I assure you, you're going to have a little bit of a potassium deficiency. And those electrolytes are such magic. And I have helped so many people just by adding a little bit of electrolytes into their life. So magnesium, potassium, sodium, you know, all of those electrolytes, Get yourself a good electrolyte formula or be conscious about your veggies that you're eating and try to supplement with some electrolytes. And then the second one, this is one that I've been implementing for like the past three weeks, okay? So the new iPhone update came out and it has a really cool feature for families. And that's to, you can block out time out of apps, you know, you wake up and the first thing you grab, you know, you know, you go check your email or you go check your text or whatever. So I've set up my phone to block all apps from six in the morning until eight o'clock in the morning. 
So while I'm getting ready, while I'm getting dressed, you know, on my way to work or whatever, I don't have access to any apps. I don't see my emails. I do allow my text just in case of an emergency, but I blocked out access to all of the apps that would put me in a sympathetic space. So I don't have any notifications on my phone until 8 a.m. once I'm up and ready to go. And that right there has made such a difference in this past month because, you know, remember Brandon uh, Bouchard was talking about not checking your email first thing in the morning, not checking social media. That has made such an impact in my life. I'm usually that person that I'm always on time. I'm never late, but I'm always like just there, you know, ever since I started doing this, it's like I gained 20 minutes of my day. I'm getting up and because all of those apps are blocked, I'm not distracted and I just know that I need to shower, I need to, you know, make my coffee, I need to get in the car and I need to drive to work. And once I get to work, everything opens up and then when I have a, a little bit of time, I sit down and I batch answer emails and I check news and stuff like that, but it doesn't happen until I've been up for 2 hours. It's fantastic, like complete game changer. Good for you, Guillermo. I am so happy. So you guys, if you've updated your phone, which I hope you, I mean, I know everyone's got their own opinions about updating iPhones, but that is such a powerful thing. And what Brenda Burchard had recognized, and you guys don't know what Brenda Burchard is, he's a motivational speaker, an incredible success coach. But what he discovered is if we are in our phones in the beginning of the day, that our productivity drops by, what was it? It was huge. It was like 60%. It was like 60%. It was some insane throughout the week. It is willpower is really challenging. You know, we're so used to picking up our phone and looking at all that. And, you know, you really kind of have to do what you've done, Guillermo, which is put the block on the apps. So you can't check them even if you wanted to do so. It's like keeping sugar out of the house because you know you, you can't eat it. And by the way, that was one of those foods we didn't mention that we don't really test in terms of allergens, but it is extremely inflammatory. So sugar is on that list, people. I was really bad about checking my phone like in traffic. Mm -hmm. And I admit it, I was really bad. I love technology. I love my phone. I, you know, when the iPhone came out with that app where it blocks it as soon as your car goes above certain you know speed and it says, oh, you're driving, you're not getting any notifications, I've stopped full stop completely you know like sometimes i have the urge and i grab my phone and it has that notification and it makes me introspectively think what would happen if i put in the code and i get into an accident i willingly putting myself in danger and having that little reminder not to do it is enough for me to going from like a casual texter and driver to no longer doing it sometimes that little barrier can be so insane and so effective. I love it. I think that's so great. All right, Guillermo, honey, where can we find you besides in practice, which is in Arizona, but where else can we find you? How can we listen to your podcast? How can we check out your, your just your wisdom and your knowledge? Well, my website is 3030strong.com. You can get my podcast there. I have a couple of articles and I have blog posts. I've published a bunch of papers on, on different topics. A lot about the chemicals within plants and how they can help us against different infections. I work at Integrative Health. My boss and mentor is the great Alan Christensen. And our website is ingoodhealth.com. 
And two things, you know, for your listeners. Yeah, what you got for us? I have two books, one on anemia. And I, I know a lot of people have been diagnosed with anemia. And I have a book on explaining what anemia is and, and, and how to correct it. And then I have a second ebook that talks about the top natural supplements for your emergency cabinet. And I want to give those to you guys. And then if you are having trouble with, with autoimmune problems, with your thyroid or any endocrinology problem, you know, I, I want to open it up for you guys, uh, for your podcast and give like free 15 minute consultations for anyone out there that, that is struggling with this stuff and maybe are thinking about taking the next step and, and going to a practitioner. I can give you the phone number where to call and they can put it, you can put it in the show notes. It might not be with me, but I trust every single person in that practice to do right by you and to really help you achieve your health. Oh, that is so wonderful. So we will have all of the links for the the two books and how to contact Dr. Guillermo as well. If indeed you are trying to figure out what is going on with you and you do not know, this is one of the best integrative practices that I know of in the States. And so I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Guillermo, for coming on and sharing. And I loved our conversation. I know that we all have a better sense of what's going on in the body when it comes to inflammation and autoimmunity. And you gave us some big lovers to pull as well. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with Dr. Guillermo today. As you can tell, he has got such an incredible energy. We're so aligned on the same views. I myself, I had the opportunity to be on his podcast, which is called 3030 Health. And definitely go and check out that podcast. He is He gets some incredible guest speakers as well. And clearly he knows how to disseminate information and share information. And what I love most is Dr. Guillermo is very focused on the research and he's able to disseminate that information in a way that I feel can really serve us. And what I love most about him is that his focus on healing the body, it's manageable and it's easy. And I have a feeling I get he gets that from Dr. Alan Christensen, who is his mentor. Well, in order to check out Dr. Guillermo, definitely go and find him at 3030health.com or at the podcast 3030health. These are two great ways to go and check him out and to learn more about him. And you can find the show notes in episode 79 or on my website at drmarisa.com slash podcast. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast today. What an incredible pleasure to be able to bring him on. I have another great doctor who's going to be talking a little bit about really going beyond grain-free and what your diet can do to make or break your hormone health. Dr. Peter Osborne is the definitive expert on gluten-free and gluten intolerance, but specifically, we wanna, we wanna connect the dots into how this is impacting our hormones. So you're not gonna wanna miss this next episode coming up with Dr. Peter Osborne. He is a dear friend, and I can't wait. He is very knowledgeable on this subject, and he's got, I think he's gonna be bringing the real talk. So join us for the next episode, and if you have a moment, rate and review the Essentially You podcast on iTunes or whatever you love to listen to this podcast. Again, that way we can continue to serve this amazing community of women and help everyone, well, all ladies, become healers in their own home. Until then, have an amazing day. 